0: What do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Don't you love Calvary chapels? You can have coffee in the sanctuary. That's one of the reasons I became a Calvary Chapel guy. <laughs> well, the person and work of the Holy Spirit is why I'm here this morning, because it can be confusing and it can be divisive. A lot of uh, ladies have uh, transferred here from other denominations, and you all have various church backgrounds, and I think every church kind of has a take on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There are some uh, non, um, uh, there are some evangelical fundamental truths that are non-negotiable about who he is. He is the third person of the Godhead, right? And so I don't think any evangelical uh, denomination would deny the person and work of the third person of the Trinity. It's how he manifests in church services and in our own hearts and lives that that there's a little bit of some different uh, ways of understanding that. So uh, why don't we start with Acts chapter 19 is which uh, sort of the text uh, that has brought me in here uh, because it is a confusing text and um, uh, why don't I just read it to you and then we'll Well, springboard, I'll give you a few basic um, ideas, and then maybe we can ask some questions if you'd like. But I've only been allotted 15 minutes, so no worries. I'm not going to go my traditional uh, (laughs) (laughs) hour-ish. All right, so Acts 19 says, while um, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, that's the tricky thing there, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul says, "Uh, then what about your baptism? You know, John baptized us, or we were baptized in that understanding of John the Baptist. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe on the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So for me, the question is, uh, were these guys Christians or not? In the sense of being born again, I uh, I, I will I, I suggest that they were not. They were disciples of John the Baptist. They uh, certainly were lacking something that Paul had to ask them. Um, I I hear him saying, "Are you guys saved? I, I mean, do, do you have the Holy Spirit? Why? What prompted that question? Something about them." And so, uh, because if you are a true disciple, you have the Holy Spirit. So it's a, and you wouldn't need to be baptized in water twice. Why are they baptized in water twice? Um, so if you are a true disciple, you have the Holy Spirit. Because Romans 8 and verse 9 says, um, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. So when a person truly believes, they're regenerated. There are three relationships we like to say with the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 14, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit is with you. The Greek word is para, where we get alongside. So he's uh, alongside the, be- the, the would-be believer before convicting and guiding and, and, and doing his work. And then he says, he will be in you. And the Greek word is N-E-N. And that's the born again, regeneration, uh, the temple, uh, our temple, our bodies become um, a temple, as it were, of the Holy Spirit. And then there's that third relationship that, that can be confusing. Uh, it's called to, to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. And so it seems that in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, there's an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word there is epi, epi in it. And, and that's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when he says, wait, don't, don't move, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And and then we associate that with the fullness of the Christian life, power and holiness, and boldness and confidence and spiritual gifts. Now, about those spiritual gifts, some of those spiritual gifts we would call sign gifts. For me, I believe that the sign gifts were primarily for establishing the church. Uh, There was no church and there was no Bible. There was no New Testament. And so uh, the Holy Spirit gave gifts to men that and women that when they gathered together without a new testament they were speaking tongues there was interpretation there was words of wisdom they were having church because they didn't have a bible and and in little home groups they didn't have a teacher right i mean how many pastors were there with Paul around. Not, not many, not enough to go around. And so the Holy Spirit was working in different ways. And I don't think you can deny that. I don't think you can say that you know someone has the gift of healing. If you have the gift of healing, let me finish the thought. Uh, if you have the gift of healing, you should always be able to go into any hospital and use the gift of healing. I believe that the Holy Spirit manifests through his people at various times and, and gives the gift of healing when he wants to do that. And so um, I believe that all the gifts are alive and well. I do think the sign gifts have diminished, obviously. I mean, look around, let's just be real. I don't, I don't say that the Holy Spirit can't do those things. But I say the norm is that we do not pray at funerals that God would raise somebody from the dead. I don't think I would, I wouldn't recommend that, but there are some people who believe possibly you should and could and God would. It seems like God is not moving in those ways um, today, though you do hear occasional reports of, Somewhere in Africa, you know, somewhere where the church has that God does this uh, extraordinary work. And so about speaking in tongues, you, you know, here's, here's, here's my take on it. It does say, do all people speak in tongues? That's a rhetorical question which you would answer no to. So I don't think everybody has to speak in tongues or, or, you know, have a cell phone for that matter. I do believe that the gift of tongues is available and that the gift of tongues, um, 1 Corinthians 14 verse four says, whoever prays in a tongue edifies themselves. So it's useful. Paul said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all and do not forbid the speaking of, of tongues. So. Nowhere in the Bible does it say tongues will will cease. I suppose you could try to make a case for that, but it's not a strong one. And so how tongues is used devotionally in your prayer life versus in a congregation. In a congregation, for me, those days are over because A, congregations have grown, people come in, on a Sunday morning, if you stand up and, and give a tongue or an interpretation, who are you? What are you saying? What's your background? I, I, there's a, in a, just the practical aspect of that just doesn't sound very wise. It seems to me, congregationally, that God has replaced the prophet in the small group first century church with the pastor's calling who has the word of God, who will exposit and proclaim with his own gifts the word of God. And that words of wisdom and knowledge and those kinds of things happen every time God's people are together. When you ladies start talking about your lives and, 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 and you come up with something, uh, uh, something you would not I've known otherwise, Uh, all of these ways that God is using the gifts of the Holy Spirit without us even knowing, you know, well, you had a word from the Lord, you know. And and while I'm on the subject, I never say God told me to tell you. It just, because I know I could be wrong. And then I've misrepresented God to somebody. I can say, it's on my heart to tell you this. You weigh it out. I, it's just on my heart. Maybe it's the Lord. I don't know. Maybe it's just a thought. You know. And then if it is the word of God to that person, first of all, it better line up with the Bible. right? <laughs> uh, but God will make that known to the person's heart. You don't need to say this is God speaking. right? If it is God speaking, the person will know. Um, And and so these are, I'm just running through my mind, anything that, that you might be wondering about. Let me say this in kind of wrapping up. Here's where your mind should be about spiritual gifts. Paul said, let me show you a better way. Love. What you just told us about Gifts of healing and gifts of tongues and interpretation. And then he says, let me just show you a, a something that's more valuable. That's what he says. And then he starts talking about love. So for me, where our focus should be with the, are you filled, of the whole, filled with the Holy Spirit, should be, do you submit to your husbands? Do you, do you keep a tight rein on your tongue? Are you serving? Are you a humble person? Is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control? Those are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So instead of wondering, do I babble? Sorry, do I babble in tongues? I babble in tongues, by the way. I, I, I got saved in a charismatic church. I got saved on a sidewalk, but God led me to a charismatic church where everybody was speaking in tongues. I'll sort of have fond memories of that because that's what I needed. I came off the streets. I was crazy. I was coming off of drugs and things like that. I needed somebody to grab my head and shake me around. (laughs) Uh, And so I've had that experience and that's that's a meaningful part of my prayer life. Um, But more than that, more than being able to pray in the spirit, um, is character. It's character. It's holiness. It's your thought life. It's what you're saying. It's how you're serving, how you're relating to your husband, to your grandkids, to your kids. That That is the focus. Instead of whether or not... Uh, you can make the sounds. (laughs) I'm glad, and, and, and for you, you could pray. And this is a prayer of Paul tells the Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit, and it's in a continual use there. Instead of being filled with wine, he says, be filled with the Spirit and keep on being filled with the Spirit. So that's a morning prayer for me, fill me with your Spirit. And what that'll look like is not necessarily this, Because while the Corinthians were doing this, they were dragging each other into court, getting drunk on communion wine, forming cliques around their favorite pastors. And one guy was sleeping with his stepmother in chapter five. But all the while, oh, they were obsessed with tongues. So tongues, tongues is tongues. It has its little sliver. But the life of holiness and godliness and character and long suffering and forgiving people. That's where it's at. All right, who's got a question? There are two places it talks about speaking language. Right, so there are definitely. Okay, here's the question. It seems like in Acts chapter 2. It it, it isn't the tongues that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. In Acts chapter 2, there are Jews gathering for for the holidays from all parts of the globe. And when they're speaking in tongues, they're speaking in French, in German, in Russian. They're speaking in known languages. And they say, how is it we hear them praising God in our own languages, French, German, Spanish, and alike?" I'm just contemporizing, right? And so really, it was almost that it was a gift of languages, but it was a gift of hearing and a listening and understanding as well. That doesn't seem like the First Corinthians 12 through 14, where really it just sounds like more like a heavenly. Uh, people aren't saying, hey, I know that language. Uh, so it seems like two different things going on there. And so that would be my my take on on that I think the Yeah. I could go on for days, but you know that. Yeah. How should we respond when um, we hear people say that we should be able to heal people? Well, Paul had a sickness and he had a lot of faith. Uh Paul left a a sick somewhere. Um yeah, yeah. Um how should you respond to that? Well, as sensitively as possible without uh, going to World War III over, because people have different understandings of, you know. I, I think, oh, the question was how do you respond to somebody who says, hey, it's all on you? If you had faith, you, can, you could make somebody whole, right? Or that person should be made whole. I think that's just a wrong understanding of a well-intentioned person. And so uh, we can agree to disagree. And so as, as kindly and gently and using the fullness of the Holy Spirit to use diplomacy and just say, instead of saying, that's a stupid idea. You know, or or or, you actually are filled with the Holy Spirit and can see the person's heart, affirm the goodness of their intention, but sort of try to bring a correction. Well, what about this, and what about that, and and why does, why does God use sickness, and why does Paul say, "I delight in sicknesses"? You know, because God's using that. You know. To put the the responsibility on a person for their wholeness on them is an extra added burden. To tell me when I was having my cancer years that if only I had enough faith, that, that adds to my burden, you know. And I just don't think God operates that way. And uh, God uses our infirmities and allows them, and we cannot faith them away. Uh, I think you should always pray to be healed and God can heal you. Um, But it is not always God's will to heal you this side of heaven. And um, we have to make room for that make room for the owies and the weaknesses and the things that we wish would go away instead of picking a verse out of context and using it to strong-arm God into giving us what we want. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, this is what I would like you to do, Father, but if there's no other way, I'm willing to do your will, not my will, but your will be done. I would not say to Jesus you had a lack of faith there <laughs> by, by saying you know this is something you want but if you just believed hard enough you know no he said this is something i want but i yield to how you would use this terrible suffering that's the way to look at suffering so yeah yes um, i have a question then about the great oh no 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 so she's saying what's up with the greater Things shall you do you know go out and do these things but but there's there's a time coming when you'll do even greater things well there well first of all there's nothing greater than raising the dead opening blind eyes casting out demons Uh, there's nothing greater so what does jesus mean by that he's saying when the holy spirit when i die and Raise from the dead and ascend to heaven i will send the holy spirit and you will do greater things here's the greater things you will open eyes that will never again be closed in death see the eyes that i opened you're going to do way greater than that they have to be closed again in death the guys that i raise lazarus he's going to have to go to the doctor and hear the report again I'm sorry, once again, you are going to die. You you know, he says, but the people you raise from dead, when you speak the gospel, you are raising people from the dead. That's what happens. You pass out of death into life because they believed what? The word that came out of your mouth, right? So I'm doing a work that's greater than what Jesus did in just raising Lazarus' body. See, he's saying, I'm going to give you the commission to go into the whole world. And instead of, you know, healing somebody's kidneys, <laughs> you're going to uh, give them eternal life, as it were. I mean, we know who gives the eternal life. Yeah, so that, that's my understanding that instead of, you know, and you've got these well-meaning kids. One, one was in my office telling me, Pastor Ross, I got gold on my, on my hands. I've used this from the pulpit before. I've got gold dust. And so I walk up to people and God gives me a word. And the word happened to be about, that's why I said kidneys is because he said, I walked up to somebody and said, I, can I pray God's given me a word about your kidneys? And I said, you got it backwards. The greater work is to walk up to the person and say, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he wants to save you eternally. And then after he gets the Holy Spirit on board and he's saved and going to heaven and his sins are washed away, then you can talk about kidneys. Who cares about the kidneys when the guy's going to hell with two good new kidneys? Praise the Lord. You know, he's not going to use them in hell anyway. So it's cart before the horse. It's like the wow, the gold powder and the, you know, and look at me and I'm praying for this. It's, It's just, for me, I'm sorry, I know it's well-intentioned, but for me, it's diabolical. Because what it does is it sends that young man off in a, in a wrong direction. And the, and the person who he says, can I pray for your kidneys, is thinking crazy. Jesus, God, gospel, crazy. Most likely, right? And so it's doing more harm to be chasing signs and wonders. And Jesus himself said, if you're chasing signs and wonders, your wicked and adulterous generation is all about signs and signs and because it's more important to them about the signs and the glory to them and the power than the Savior, than God, than walking with him. Now, there are well-intentioned people who go to up to reading they're well-intentioned i have friends i don't condemn them as people i just can say i can agree to disagree that you're theologically um in my opinion unsound and not biblical that you've got a few things going on around for example they believe that god is still speaking Yes, he's speaking, but he said everything in the Bible that he's ever going to say to us, and it better line up with the Bible. But they believe God can say something that's of equal worth to the Bible. So now you've opened a door to whatever's coming out of their mouth is you better buy that or you're coming against God, right? So I can agree to in love and not have to, to insult and get crazy and gas the devil out of anyone we're just saying i'm sorry i believe that the word of god is sufficient and that's our basis and our anchor and we're going to stick with that i got all animated I'm the- I mean, are we surprised? yeah i know <laughs> all right a couple more and then i'm All right, being slain in the spirit, there's a, there's a, it, it, it's more of a church movement than a biblical uh, discipline. Because I say that because you don't see it in the Bible, ever. The only people falling over in the Bible are Jesus' enemies uh, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? They're the only ones getting slain in the spirit, all right? So, so somehow, somehow it, it's a church trend. I, again, well-intentioned, good-hearted, saved people, friends of mine. I love them. I just disagree, I I can't find it. Show me in the Bible where it says that, you know, drunk in the spirit. I had friends who told me they got drunk in the spirit. I was like, what does that mean? It just means the Holy Spirit came upon me where I I had to be carried, quote, I had to be carried out to the car by my husband because I was just so goofy and crazy. Look, the gift of the Holy Spirit is self-control. So to lose control of self cannot be con, uh, connected to the Holy Spirit who is all about self-control. Do you see? So we just need to think through some of these things. It's really cool to see somebody like, oh, you know. But, you know, it's even cooler to see somebody in control, not drinking anymore, not cussing anymore, right? That's more impressive than out of control, right? Okay, one last one. Yes, yes. cart before the horse, so she's just saying, you know, maybe there was a miraculous thing happened, you know, I, 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 you hear stories like this, and then I would just like to see some paperwork, you know, I just want to see the whole thing, you know, I, yeah, well, 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 That. Yeah, we don't have all the facts, so I always like to say when I hear part of a story, I just say, I'm sure there's another part somewhere. There's a proverb like that, right? It just says when you hear one thing, just wait till you get the whole thing before you, yeah. So I, I think the point there is the gospel, eternal life, that's what matters most. And and if and if you never pray in tongues, but you keep a right... I, I, uh, if you keep a tight rein on your tongue (laughs) you never speak in tongues i think yeah it's a a lot harder a and a lot more impressive and useful to the lord (laughs) amen (laughs) all right father god thank you for these ladies thank you for the sweet spirit of worship that i felt and sensed when i walked in the sanctuary thank you for women who just want to be filled with your spirit and know you and be used of you to be effective and productive and to have their theological ducks all flying in uh, formation correctly, Lord. And just lead us, Lord, help them to uh, understand what your spirit is saying through all of this to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm Amen.